We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me by this point. Uh, if you don't, you know, blue check, Twitter, all that good stuff. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. All right, we are back with a post-game you know, episode of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. The Seahawks just beat the brakes off of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a bad football team. Uh, the Seahawks won 31 to 7. It was their most complete win of the season. Uh, the Colts one is probably also complete uh, in week one, but against a better team uh, as well. So it's probably like their better win, but this is definitely the most complete. You, know, you get a special team score, you drop a 30 ball. Um, you basically you, you damn near get a shutout. Um, you know, every everything you would want to see for, for the most part. Um, I loved what Tyler Lockett had to say after the game. He said the quiet part out loud. He said, look, if we didn't beat these guys, it was going to be a long bye week. And he's mm. right. And it would have been a trip to the unemployment line for some folks. Not sure who, but somebody would have lost their job in entering this week if they'd have lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Fortunately for everyone, including Chris and I, they did not lose. They won. They smoked them. Uh, they were good on both sides. Uh, that helped a lot. The Jags are bad on both sides. <laughs> that that helped a lot. And Geno of Smith officially has his first win as a starter since Chris. Do you know when the last time Geno's two thousand fourteen and won? Yeah, two thousand fourteen. That is a long ass time ago. So, salute to the Seahawks for getting that done. Even though I've said on this show, I don't think QB wins should be a stat. That's why I didn't really write that in my story. But I mean, <laughs> the, the main thing, and I wrote about this, actually, this already out on the athletic now. Man, their job when Russ went down, when Russ's fingers start going the way fingers aren't supposed to go, everyone knew uh, he's that your version of Russ's. Yeah, Chris is doing this in the screen. You guys can't see, but he, yeah. he looks like the dude in a scary movie too right now. <laughs> like, it'll give me the strong hand, dude. That dipped his hand in the uh, 
in the pod. That was, that was gross. That was so, so I was surprised nobody fought him in, <laughs> in that scene. Uh, but when the minute Russ's finger was doing that, it was very simple. It was get as many wins as humanly possible without Russ. Because any win without Russ is like house money. Because you're not supposed to win any games with Russ. You're not supposed to. Without Russ, excuse me. Because Russ carries so much for this team that when you don't have him, you basically can lose to anybody for the most part. So it's like, all right, how many wins can we get without Russ? And they dropped the first two. It's like, well, damn, man, can we at least beat the Jaguars? Because if you lose this game, the season's over. I don't give a damn what Russ does when he comes back. I don't care which direction his fingers are going by that point. Lose the Jaguars, you're two and six into the bye week, fire everybody, blow it all up. Like that, yeah. Beat the Jags, and you have hope. Russ, this win ultimately gives him hope. Maybe Chris, or excuse me, maybe Russ comes back. You saw his pictures that he posted on all his socials. Uh, you know, with the did you see those, Chris? When he's like updating us on his nasty looking finger. Yep. Oh, yeah, he shouldn't. He needs a co- trigger warning, content warning, or whatever. Like Jamal did. Oh, Jamal posted a picture of his finger split. The he- what is wrong with? We don't want to see that. I think he warned us though, didn't he? I don't know if he did. I saw it without no warning. I feel like I feel like I just saw his finger open and thinking like, dog, that's nasty. But anyway, point is they, they won this game and it said it's a season saver. Like it, I still think the season's probably, you know, not going to go the way they want. They're not going to the Super Bowl probably, but who man, they had to get this done. It had to look like this too. Like if they had a one by like two or three, Oh man. It'd be like, dog, how did you almost lose to the Jaguars? Like that would be the thing. It wouldn't even be that they won. It'd be like, how did you almost lose? And thankfully, man, I'm, I, I'm not, we're not supposed to root for the team necessarily. You know, even though everyone who sees me is like, Oh, this guy works for the Seahawks. I don't work for them. They don't have my checks. You know, they were the checks would probably be bigger. Uh, but, and so I don't, I'm not supposed to root, but boy, I was rooting for him to win today. Cause I didn't want to have it went by a lot. Cause we was going to have a, a long ass, <laughs> To be Blue honest, I would, I, would just, say I would cancel on you. I, would, I wouldn't have nothing to say, Mike. I'd be done. <laughs> <laughs> I come back in the, after the bye week with better things to talk about. I, there's no way I would be okay with doing a pod if they lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that is pretty much essential, as you said, a must win. And they, they did it. You mentioned everything they hit on, special teams, offense, defense. Hell, another pick. Quandre Diggs, show them why the Seahawks might want to throw some cash his way. Definitely throw some cash his way. A lot of cash. A lot of cash. Ultimately, though, I was really impressed by the offense and what they were doing. We've talked about it ad nauseum in regards to getting DK and Tyler Lockett the ball and just letting them do their thing because when they get the ball, they tend to make plays. And we saw that on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Granted, that team has been struggling all year. But they took advantage of it, and you got to see something different with that offense, meaning, damn, they're really just throwing the ball to Tyler Lockett and DK every time. I mean, we talked about it off-wax. How many catches did Freddie Swain or targets did he have in the Sunday's game against the Jags? Was it he two? Had, he, he, no, he unofficially had he unofficially had one because he had one, one okay. go for a um, – there was a penalty on the play. That essentially, the play didn't happen. Uh, and then officially – he had zero. Yeah. He had to get him cardio and blocking. Uh, I think he had a penalty called on him too. So he really and needs to get cardio. To be honest, that's probably what you should try to do. And if yeah, that's good fine. teams, if good teams end up taking away a DK and Tyler Lockett, okay, I still want them to get the targets. 
But now that opens it up for Freddie Swain, Penny Hart, D. Eskridge, who hopefully will be back against Green Bay. It opens up for these other guys to come in and make plays and be that safety valve for when things, quote-unquote, break down or your, quote-unquote, fourth or fifth option in that scheme for that offensive play. But today, just seeing or Sunday, seeing almost at a rush, seeing Geno hit Tyler Lockett on an out route, a very tight window, by the way. The defender was in, I don't know how he didn't bat the ball down, but he did. And Tyler Lockett was with Jags. That's why. Yeah. That team, the team, well, that team was not good, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, but a risky throw, but a better play and catch by Tyler Lockett, securing it, getting the first down, keeping the drive going. And you saw that a lot. Hell, for the first time in my career, with this, you know, working with you on this podcast, DK goes up and dunks all on Shaquille Griffin. I've never seen that. I'm, we see it in warm-ups. You see the picture, the highlights. It's very rare you see DK go up with two hands and go snag it. And he did that today. And hopefully that's something that continues with Russ. And if it is Geno against Green Bay, then it continues then and there because DK will always have an advantage over basically everyone that's not named Jalen Ramsey, to be honest with you. Just for the most part, yeah. Jai Alexander, yeah, there's some guys. There's some guys, but even then, I like the odds. If DK is going to do what we saw on Sunday against DBs, I still like my odds over everyone probably except Jalen Ramsey just because Jalen is also (laughs) 6'3". Yeah, Jalen. He's a freak. It built a little different, yeah. But I did enjoy, and I, I thought the offensive game plan was solid, and they stood out. But I know everyone's probably thinking, Chris, they played the Jags. This is what you wanted. As Mike touched on, if this team didn't beat this team like they did, 31 to 7, there's a lot of questions. You can't go out and beat this team 27 to 23. And that was a great win. No. Today was the first time I felt, okay, that was a good win for this team moving forward. They get to lick their wounds during the bye week and really try to figure out who the identity of this team is before they go up against a really good team. Well, a good team and the Green Bay Packers that just knocked off the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so I think it's really, yes, all of that. And the reason that it's so important to get those guys to ball, it's a numbers game, man. I really cannot look. I think Alex Collins is a funny dude. I think he's a good football player. Nice guy from what I can tell. Just nothing personal. He shouldn't touch the ball more than Tyler Lockett. It's, just, like, it, it's really that simple for me. How many, tar- let's see how many targets? So Tyler had 13 targets. 12 catches. So Tyler Lockett touched the ball 12 times. Uh, DK had eight, had six targets, six catches, right? So he touched the ball six times. So that's 18 touches for those two. Alice Collins had 10 carries. That is balance. That is how a Seahawks game plan should look like. I don't want to see no game plan aside here like, let's hand it to Alex or Rashad or Travis or DJ, any of these cats. I'm sure they're all nice dudes. Whatever. Give the ball to DK Metcalf. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not even joking. This is, this is not hyperbole. I think literally every play, at least when you have uh, Gino in there, when you have Russ, you can you can alter this a little bit, but not a ton. The play sheet, every play. DK, DK, tie, 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 tie. either be designed to Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. One of the two. Don't care which one because they're both really good, as we see today. Today was a really good example. DK does the touchdowns. Tyler gets the yards. Together, they, they, they beat up on the Jags. They should have every play on the play sheet should either go to DK Metcalf, go to Tyler Lockett, like start with them. Like they are the one option on there. Yeah. Right? And then you there's obviously other people in the progression. Duh. But like starts with DK, starts with Tyler. Or 
uses the attention that those two are going to get to yes. naturally create something for someone else. Freddie right? Swain. Yeah. You know, like use, I mean, we do it when we play flag football together all the time. You know, we, we was just doing, I mean, it's not nearly the same, but it kind of is right. So like, for example, I like to go deep when I play flag football. I, I, I run a lot of streaks. I don't do like, I ain't got time for all this cutting and stuff. Right. The other teams know that. So what I do, I'll just run straight. Two dudes will follow me. What does that leave? Somebody wide open underneath. You know, that's using attention I'm getting to open it up for someone else. So I'm not the person getting the ball, but I'm creating the opportunity. Literally every play should be that. <laughs> I really don't yeah. think there's anything else. For the, as much as a fan as I am with some of the fly sweep stuff or whatever, um, that's cool. It's like, that's cute. Start with DK. Start with Tyler. Work backwards. I feel like the Pete game plan lifestyle is let's help Gino out by handing it to Alex a bunch. And Alex didn't have a bad day. It's not like I keep saying Alex's name just because he's the running back. But this applies if whoever they had back there. Alex had 10 carries for 44 yards with a long of 12. That's like an okay day against a really bad Jags defense. The point is that Tyler touched the ball more than him. Every time Tyler, either Tyler or DK has touched the ball more than Alex. If he touches the ball more than both of them, something wrong. Touches the ball more than both of them combined, you probably lost. <laughs> like, that's, I don't care what the score is. Like, even in the game today, they, were, they had to run the clock out. Alex still wasn't out there getting pounded. And it was still Tyler, Tyler, and DK. So, as much as the numbers look great from a production standpoint, like the catch DK made, like you said, that's great. Uh, the, the, the way Tyler burned, Tyler burning man coverage is just like the most predictable thing in the world. It's so, it's very few DBs that can cover Tyler. You know, yeah. I was talking to somebody who uh, in the league, not not on the Seahawks or anything. We just he's, he's like familiar. He's how I put that league source, whatever. And then I was telling him, or he was telling me, he was like, man, DK's. We we're talking about receivers for some reason. And we we're talking about DK, and then Tyler was Tyler came up and he's like, yeah, no, nah, Tyler. That Tyler dude, like, he he he's hard to guard, man. DBs are really worried about having to guard that dude, man, because he just he can do everything, and you see why. Yep. And you know how you know how fans will complain, rightfully so, that you know uh, when other teams are doing like quick game stuff, <laughs> the screens uh, it looks so easy. I'm talking about like no, just like dump offs, like the Tom Brady style. Like, how come other teams could do that and we can't? And that's a fair criticism. And the answer is because the OCs aren't designing it. You see how easy it was? Tyler was running seven yards, turning around, ball hitting him in the face. Yeah. It's not not hard. Find the spot in the zone, throw it to him, move the sticks. Like, it was very – it was like the easiest freaking game plan. It was like it took these guys eight weeks to realize that Tyler Lockett's on the damn team – or maybe not eight weeks, but you know what I mean. Like, it shouldn't have took this this long. Like, even, even after the game, I thought it was funny. Like, Geno Smith and Tyler were like, yeah, we're still trying to – figure each other out. You know, we spent a lot of time after practice. Um, you know, we only played a couple games together. So sometimes that takes the feeling out. I mean, I, I get that. I do. At the same time, y'all ain't seen Tyler Lockett's movies before. <laughs> that dude is nice. Wherever he runs, throw it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that That's simple to me. Football is not that complex. Of course, it has a, a gazillion intricacies to it. Of course. Of course, I get it. But at the end of the day, you start every game plan saying, get your best players the ball. And it's no surprise that they had probably their best offensive output with Geno. Because uh, they still – they moved the ball okay against Pittsburgh. Um, was scored about 20 points or something like that. Uh, scored 24 on offense today. So, But this was definitely their best performance in the throwing game by far. 
well, yeah, duh. He threw the ball to Tyler a bunch. Usually good things happen. He's either going to catch it or it'll probably be incomplete. Like it's, it's No, or pass interference. Yeah, Tyler draw, he, he draws a lot of <laughs> pass interferences and stuff too. So, man, yeah, that was it was like a good thing to see, but also frustrating because it was just like this is not a Jag-specific thing. Like you said, people put a qualifier on this win because they played a bad team, and they did. Some of the stuff they were doing was just pretty simple. Every zone has soft spots. I don't care if you're playing the Legion of Boom or you're playing the Jag. Every zone has soft spots. Every team has like at least one weak link at DB if they go play man. You know, everyone doesn't have six dudes I can cover. I said, no, hell no. You just gotta have the right play call. Yeah. Execute. And you, and you have the right players, which they do. They have DK. It just I just don't understand how you can't how those dudes are not just 10 target guys every week or something like today where they split 18 targets or they split 19 targets, which, and you don't have to throw it a lot. How many times do you know, throw the ball 25 times, 19 times to two dudes. <laughs> yeah. Football's easy. We could do that. Or we could call the plays. We couldn't have to go out there and catch it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think we just also have to realize that teams, they make it probably their mission. If we go back and watch all the film of what these teams did to the Seahawks defensively, when they didn't have these type of targets and opportunities, it'd be interesting to go back and look at and gauge what these defenses were doing. Oh, yeah, you can throw to Freddie Swain. That's fine. You can throw to Will Disley. You can throw to Joe Dever. We're not letting these two dudes beat you. The Jags, unfortunately, they don't have no option. <laughs> no. And teams have been doing some of that. I mean, even then, after after um, DK's first touchdown, there were a couple of plays where they just double-teamed DK. I could see it. I could see yeah. like, the safety come over and just – not even be facing the the quarterback. Like, just looking just, at DK. Just yeah, just old school. Like I would like when I used to coach flag football in Pullman. Uh, like I used to tell my kids, just go like, just follow that dude. Don't worry about nothing else. If he goes to the bathroom, follow him there. Yeah, and, like that's what I used to tell my kids. You could tell that that was the the mandate on some of those assignments. But sometimes they still left him one on one with with Shaq. And if teams do that, you have to throw it. Exactly. Literally. And that was that was my next point. If the teams are still, yeah, they did it. The you know a few plays, but then they went back to it. 
you got to realize that. And I think Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the best in the league that notices mismatches and just looks at Devontae, you know, gives him a head nod, taps his helmet, whatever you want to do. And next thing you know, it's a 30-yard gain or a touchdown. I think when Russ returns, I think it's pivotal that he takes that next step with this offense and just does that. I know there might have been a run play called here, but screw that, man. You see DK over there lined up against, I don't know, throw the damn ball to him. Slant, curl, deep corner, over the middle post. You can hand it to Fade. him. Bro. I care. I, I, that's what, I use the word touches. How many, how many times the Seahawks run the jet sweep touch pass, which is kind of cheating because it's still a pass, but you just tap it to him. Like, I've never seen the Seahawks do that. Implement that into your game. You have talented guys to do that. Maybe that was something that they wanted to do with D. Eskridge, but unfortunately, health reasons, he hasn't been able to do so, but you still have DK to do that. That's an option. You can definitely send him in motion and give him a little touch pass because guess what? It counts as a pass, reception, and if he turns up the field and gets a touchdown, I'm sure fantasy owners are going to love that. Make it simple. Make it easy. Make it fun. Add more to it. Those are things they can do with Penny Hart, DK. Let's see it. I don't think they'll ever do it, but I mean, we did see a jet sweep, so cool. I don't. They could, but they probably. I don't want to see it be Penny Hart though. And and no offense to Penny, I'm sure he's a nice dude too. I just, I'm stuck on the DK talent thing. I just, you know how rare it is to have those two type of talents in certain situations though. Like you saw, I want to say two weeks ago, Penny Hart got a little reverse and he ran it for like 11 yards or jet sweep. Yeah, he he had a catch today that was like a. It was cool a few yards. Yeah, yeah, I'm I mean, not saying every time. Literally, yeah. always. The other guys got touched the ball. I do think Gerald Everett is a very good player. And throwing to him um, is not a bad idea. But I think we I, all get where you're coming from, Mike. Throw the damn ball to your best guys, and when things shift and people are doubling, all right, cool, I'm going to hit someone else. But for the most part, as you said, those two should combine for 18 targets and then figure it out from there. Alex Collins shouldn't have 20 carries, and DK and Tyler – only have 17 touches. I don't know if that's a recipe for success unless Alice Collins is rushing for, you know, 20 carries, 190 yards, and three touchdowns. Okay, right. I get it. Yeah. It was it, day. It, they're trying to grind it out. Damn that. Grind it out. Yeah. That's the, that's my thing. And it looks like they kind of figured that out today. Saw a mismatch. As they should. They, 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 they <laughs> yeah. That was that was my like my big thing on offense. A thing that like I hope continues, you know, um going forward. It has to. It has to. <laughs> Did the defense figure it out, you think? Yeah, man, I feel like, you know, I wouldn't even – I mean, we have it on the screen right now, like, for the most part. I wouldn't even say, like, they delivered they, – they did, man. They, I thought I thought they legit delivered all the way. And I okay. keep – they are doing things that, that are going to translate. Like, they are recognizing concepts that were beating them before, recognizing what's coming on some of these concepts, and beating it. And they're and honestly, at the end of the day, they're just covering. There were a lot of plays today. Like I was writing about the DBs a lot during the game. I, I erased some of it just because I needed you know to save space, but or at least I didn't publish it. They were doing things in the back end, man, just discipline stuff. Then like they ran some crazy new coverage. They disguised um, some things that worked out, but sometimes they were had guys crowding the line. They blitzed. There was nothing open, you know, and. And that was that. There was a couple of plays specifically where Trey Brown's guy was the first read and Jamal Adams' guy was the first read, and they were taken away, and Trevor Lawrence had nowhere to go. I think Trevor Lawrence – let me see the pressure numbers that I got. Hold on. No, you're good. I think uh, I think I wrote that they had 25 pressures, and multiple guys can have a pressure on a, on a given play. So, um, But, yeah, 25 pressures, uh, according to True Media, on, what, 54 attempts? 
plus some sacks. So however many total plays that is, I don't have all the numbers in front of me right now. I don't want to read a bunch of numbers uh, on the show. But a point is, a lot of that today was generated by um, what the coverage was doing. Because yeah. there was a ton of great pass rush reps. I didn't think there was some here and there, and you could see that in some of the numbers too. But, man, a lot of that was Trevor looks. Oh, that ain't there. Oh, damn. Now here comes Al Woods. And, and Al Woods almost got him in the end zone, man. That would have hurt. Al yeah. Woods, I don't know for that for that safety, uh, but I, I I think I'm really impressed with what the defense has been doing. They recognized Ryan Neal has to be on the field. Man, Pete figured it out too, right? <laughs> yeah, and, I, I didn't have an answer for it. Like you told me, Chris, you realize you're taking Jordan Brooks off the field on certain situations where they can still run the damn ball, and it's come to third down. It's Ryan Neal time. Yeah, and and it is a tough call because Jordan's not playing bad. You He's know, just not playing know. great. We had Cliff Avery on the show. Cliff was like, yeah, no, he's playing well. You know, and I don't even think we asked Cliff that. He just unprompted said that. He's like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Probably, you know, he's wearing Cliff's old number. So definitely going to want that guy to play well. I, I do get that part. Um, but Jordan can Jordan is playing playing some stuff really well. Coverage stuff has just not been great. It's not even been where it needs to be. That's why when it's time to cover, they put someone else in there, which and makes sense fair. that a DB is better than it, than, uh, than a linebacker at covering, like, duh. And it's a better uh, matchup thing. You know, Ryan can cover tight ends. Ryan can cover receivers. Ryan can cover running backs that aren't Alvin Kamara. So, I mean, (laughs) for that, that, he's different. Damn, your dime package. We're just throwing it to Alvin. So, that was like the only time it didn't really pay dividends. And they had to just start doubling Kamara in the second second quarter, or excuse me, the second half of that game. But in general, they're just playing a lot more disciplined football. You know, I was talking to another writer uh, in the press box today when I was leaving. I was just like, yeah, it's just like less. Less guys wide the hell open. You know, when guys do catch stuff, someone's there, you know, because guys are going to catch stuff. It's the NFL. But someone's there. You're not wondering, like, where the hell's the DB? Like, we were wondering in some other games earlier in the year and even some of the Rams uh, stuff, like that week five games. Like, what the hell is going on? Why why is Robert Woods butt naked open? You know, like, that's crazy. We're not seeing really that. Um, we're, st- we're not seeing guys yelling at each other after plays. You know, even the even the play that I thought was Jordan Brooks's uh, responsibility on the touchdown, I got to go back and look at it. But I thought it in real time it was, and then I watched Jamal and Jordan just kind of talking about it. But it was like a cool talk about it, you know, which is easy to do when you're up two touchdowns. But they were just talking about it in a way that didn't seem like it did in Minnesota or some of the like even the Rams or guys are just like, "Yo, what are you doing back here? What are you doing?" Now, even this is even after you know getting rid of Trey Flowers, who was not all of the ailed the Seahawks at the time. Discipline is just there, and you can see the coverage is going to help these guys up front so much more. Man, Jamal can cover. There was some play, one of those fourth down plays. Trevor looks right at Dan Arnold. He's not open. He waits. Jamal's like, no, he's still not open, Doug. And then Daryl Taylor comes in and got what should have been a sack. There were just a lot of plays like that in this game. And not to mention the homie Quandre Diggs, you know, getting 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 those getting the pick that he got, man, because he he's nice like that. All of the DBs, the second, I think the secondary is fixed, quote unquote, because um, it was broken before. I think we can acknowledge like that 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 Minnesota game they were broken, you know, and even the Rams game, the Rams are running the same play over and over again to the same two dudes over and over again and dusting them, and I don't think that a team is going to get away with that. Now, I just think that I mean, there's still there, there's some stuff that Trey Brown's probably got to figure out, and we got to see what uh DJ Reed's uh groin situation is like. You know, he didn't finish the game, and that could be very bad for them. 
if DJ has to miss the Packers game, fingers crossed, hopefully he's, he's doing okay. But in general, man, I don't know how people can watch the film and not see that independent of the opponent, these guys are getting better. Independent yeah. of who they're playing, they're doing things. They're recognizing things. They're playing more sound football against stuff that was beating them. It's not like the other teams were running mysterious stuff. A lot of teams are running the same stuff. You know, Quadra's interception today it was like, yeah, it's the same concept that the Saints just ran. Right? It's the same concept the Rams were running with Cooper Cup. I stopped it. Right? Because they recognize the stuff like that now. That's football. Recognizing how people are trying to attack you and stopping it. There's no magical secret to playing playing good defense. So I know it was the Jags. I know they stink. I know Trevor Lawrence's receivers are a lot worse than I thought. Boy, them dudes can't catch. Them balls were hitting them in the hands, and they were just falling to the turf. Poor Trevor. Uh, but this, I thought the Seahawks did some things today, like in terms of discipline that they've been doing all you know the last like month or so. They're the best third down defense in the league. And maybe that doesn't hold true after this week. I have to go check the updated numbers, especially after Monday Night Football. But they came into this the best third down defense in the league the last month. Last month of the season, I should clarify. Yeah, last month so far they've been the best. So since like week four, since Ryan Neal came, they're the best third down defense. Making adjustments is definitely helping this team out. And this was, as we said, with the offense, they needed to come out and dominate. They did so. The defense came out and dominated against a team that's been struggling all year. Stopped they the did run. So. They, yeah. Exactly. They did it. And that's what you need. You need that jolt. That's saying, you know, we can get this done because they're going to they're going to say all the right things. But now they have to do put it on the field. And they were able to do that against this bad against a Jags team that's been struggling all season long. Yeah. And they stopped screens. You see that towards the second half? They were stopping yes. screens. There was one drive. Oh, I don't have my notes in front of me. Oh, man. There was one drive. Legit. This was, this was hilarious. The Jags ran three screens in a row. <laughs> they ran like a running back one, a receiver one, and then a running. You remember that? It's, Third uh, quarter, was it? Or is it the fourth? I think it's the first. Mm, I think it's the first drive of the fourth quarter, I want to say. maybe. I think I'm remembering there. it. So but, what happened? The sequence is I don't have my sheet right in front of me, but it's it's a it's to Carlos it's to Carlos Hyde. The first first down play is, um, and then uh, Bobby sniffs it out. I think he hits he like hits Carlos uh, before the ball can get there. And the second down play is the one where the screen as well. I think to like Marvin Jones, and then Trey Brown sheds his tackle and then goes and makes the play yep. uh, and tackles the dude. And then the very the, the, now it's like third and a million or something like that. Uh, and then the the third down play is another screen to Carlos. And I think Jamal sniffed that one out. You can see it on my tweets. I tweet Bobby Wagner, defender of screens. And then I tweet another one, defender of screens. And then it's like three tweets in a row. There's three plays in a row. They ran three <laughs> screens and the Seahawks stopped them all. I've never thought we would talk about that on the podcast. Because, boy, well, that's, that's there the is sign nothing of... worse than the Seahawks screen defense the first seven weeks of this. <laughs> it could just everything running screens. It's a positive sign that they're, as you mentioned, figuring things out. And they needed to because you don't want to beat this team in a nail-biter. You want to punch them in the mouth and destroy them. And they were able to do that. They gave a touchdown at the end of the game, whatever. I'm not really worried about that. No, I'm not. I I could care less about that. It's 31-0. If they score a touchdown, okay, cool. And, yeah, and them scoring a touchdown just led to the Seahawks scoring one right back on special teams. Yeah, Travis, Travis Homer, Travis yeah, that's Homer, right. I'm gonna run this ball. <laughs> yeah, it's 24 7. Okay, cool. Oh, 31. It is what it is. I 
the the biggest thing is I do want to talk about is the DJ Reed situation because if groin injuries are like hamstrings, I really think Drake should change the lyric because I know he says like a sprained ankle, boy, I ain't nothing to play with. I really think he should change it to groins and hamstrings, boy, I ain't nothing to play with. Because when you strain or hurt those, it's really tough to come back from without causing more damage if you're not fully healed. And DJ, if I'm not mistaken, has had this injury before. I w- I'm not 100% sure. I think he has. But if he hasn't, not I think he needs Seahawks at least. Maybe he had it in, I don't know. I don't know if he's had Maybe it was in his bicep. But I know, I think, I remember him saying he had a hole in his bicep or something crazy. And I was like, Jesus, man, a that hole is. hole in his bicep? Yeah. I think he was on the pod when we had him last year, if I'm not mistaken. But needless to say, this is one of those injuries that, the Seahawks really need him going up against Green Bay because Devontae Adams will likely be back from the COVID list. You really need to have two solid corners. I would like to see Trey Brown. I'm not sure if I really like Pete's idea of rotating guys in because that that might throw off things. Communication could go wrong. Although if you're communicating well, it shouldn't matter who's on the field because you're communicating with each one another and everyone knows what's going on. But I'm not sure I'm sold on Sidney Jones in this time. Oh, Trey Brown in. I really want to see if we can get a solid unit out there and they just go with it. But if it's going to work this way where they're rotating Trey Brown, Sidney Jones, and A, DJ Reed is healthy, cool. But if DJ Reed is out, that just throws a big problem for the Seahawks secondary secondary because now you got to bring somebody in on that side. I'm guessing it's going to be Sidney Jones. He's probably the most familiar with the defense at this time. So you have Sidney Jones and you have Trey Brown. I don't know. We talked about how good this defense has looked and how well they're playing as of right now and what they did against the Jaguars, but does it get better going against Green Bay? I think that's that's something to really think about. And I, the hope is that DJ Reed, it's nothing serious, and he's during this bye week, he rests up, and he's able to play against Green Bay. But that is one thing that sticks in the back of my head, like, dang, if he's not able to go, that could be a serious problem. Because DJ Reed, I think out of – Outside of Quandre, he's probably maybe in the conversation of one of the top defenders on this team this season. You got Bobby, obviously, who's people saying he's missed a step. If anybody else isn't executing, of course, it's going to make Bobby look a little rough in some edges. But for the most part, I think it's Quandre, DJ Reed, and Bobby that have really just been the soul and heart of this defense. And losing DJ right now when you are trying to make a run, when you're so far behind in the NFC West, that might be a serious issue as a team tries to gain on these other teams, the Cardinals, the Rams, and hell, even the NFC in general. So that's one thing to just think about as we get ready for this bye week and the players rest up and come back and face the Packers. Uh, yeah, no, not having DJ Reed would, would, would be very, very bad. That would, I don't know. I kind of look, I don't think he's had a grind thing before. Okay. Not- I'm thinking of someone, but I do know, I do know that Drake needs to change that lyric. Like maybe, I, maybe you got to tweet him and tell him like, yo bro, go back in and, remaster the song and add this instead because those injuries are way more severe than a sprained ankle to be honest in my opinion uh yeah i'll just text Drake. you know you know my <laughs> no, boy. hit him on twitter with the blue check man he'll be able I, to see it I, Drake don't know me man that you don't know me. you but it's you know what? you tag him with the lyric and then you say i've made a correction for you sir yeah that, that i've never tweeted drake before but i don't think the first <laughs> time i do so will be me telling him what to do uh i just don't think i would advise yeah, advise, to tell what to do, recommend, what to suggest, <laughs> whatever word it meets another man what to do, uh, you know, on his on on his record. So no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. But 
yeah, I do agree that not having DJ would be would be because he has played well. I would say Al, Al Woods has probably been another one. Yep. Al Woods and Quandre Diggs have been the, the team's two most consistent defenders this year. So Quandre, Al, and then Bobby would be the most uh, would be the three. DJ's made some good plays too. He had a really bad Vikings game, um, but oh yeah. Got I think cool. Al, Al's been Al's been balling. Even today, Al was good, man. Al pushes the pocket like like crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. They're, the 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 group that they found, the foursome of Trey, who I think is going to continue to start. Trey started today, and he should just keep starting. That's what I'm saying. Stop bringing in Sydney. There's no point. Well, even today, they only brought in Sydney for two drives. Um, mm. Actually, it might have been one drive. So it was like very clear. Pete figured He's out. He's making that transition. Then okay, cool. Let's keep yeah. it that way. This was this was the, this was the game where it was like Trey Brown played sixty six snaps of the set sixty six of the seventy four. So that so that means he he uh he was only off the field. It looks like for how many how what is that like eight eight. So that's probably just one series. I think Sydney only played that one series. And that's and going forward, DJ or not, there's yeah there's no reason to rotate. Trey's Trey's the guy. He's gonna he's gonna make rookie mistakes or whatever. You know he misplayed one of those. Uh, a long ball that Quandre cleaned up. For oh yeah, him. he was he was in solid coverage. He might have just turned a little too early. I gotta go back and watch he, it. Again. He definitely he turned too early and misplayed the ball. But yeah, but Quandre was there. Yeah, he, yeah, Quandre. That's why he called him a safety. Right? He safety. <laughs> He's there. Yeah. So I think yeah, the, the, I'm with you on the DJ thing. Uh, but not to get too scared with it. Yeah, yeah. If they have, I, I don't know. Uh, could be fine. But yeah, if if they got that foursome, Trey, DJ, Quandre, Jamal, I think that's that's enough to make a run. If you got right. to go deeper than that, I don't know. But Ugo did have a nice play, um, a couple of nice plays today. But that that forced him right there. Like I, I I trust that group to go forward. I didn't trust what they were throwing out there week one. I honestly didn't trust they were throwing out there week four <laughs> after watching the Niners tape again. So yeah, I think there's reason to believe in Seattle's secondary right now, even though they just beat the Jacks. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Even though they just beat the Jags. Well, nothing ever changes. Whether they beat the Jags or, I don't know. Whatever happens, happens. The Seahawks did get the win. We do have some Twitter questions to get to. Mike, are you ready to get to these, man? I am. Let's do it. <sighs> we get a break. You know, we don't have 50. So this is this is kind of cool. We get to chill a little bit here. So this one's from Sam. If Pete is ultimately running the offensive defense, who's calling for the runs up the gut when teams load the box? Does Waldron or Pete trust them to beat that defensive front, or are they just going up for punishment against these defenses? Um, so Pete doesn't call plays really. He he changes them sometimes in high leverage situations, you know, fourth down stuff, maybe some Super Bowl, maybe. Um, side note, I thought it was really funny today during halftime. I don't know, did they air the Holmgren thing on TV? No, they did because it was national, so not everyone that's outside of Washington cares probably about Holmgren, to be honest. Um, all right, well, it doesn't matter. He ended his speech by saying, you know, Holger went to the Ring of Honor at halftime. He ended his halftime speech by saying, fans, you know, look up. I want you guys to really appreciate that 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 Super Bowl banner. There should be two of them. And, and he, that was like his mic drop moment. And like, I'm 
99% sure he's referring to the fact they should have won Super Bowl 40, if not for the refs. But it was oh funny when he said it because I was just like, well, what do you mean? There should be two for Super from Super Bowl 49 or from Super Bowl 40. Like You can argue that they should have won both of those. Uh, so I thought it was just kind of kind of funny that he mentioned that. Uh, but yeah, P- Pete doesn't call the plays. Shane calls the plays. Shane's the one got them out here running it up the gut with Rashad a bunch of times or with Alex a bunch of times. And that's the other thing that I critique the run game about. You can you can do you can run the ball without it just being like a zone run just right at their best players. That was my beef with them after the Saints game. It wasn't that they ran the ball a lot. They just were giving it to they were running the ball a lot in one direction, basically one of two directions at the, the one of the best fronts in football at stopping the run i just didn't understand that and today it was the same thing they had all this momentum going and it was just like three inside runs rashad penny was like oh my my god what is what is this what are we doing here i just i just did i thought that was so so poor they gotta stop that and they gotta stop running to loaded boxes it's just check out of it man you gotta check out of it you have to call timeout even shoot that's a better reason to call timeout for than half the reasons pete calls timeouts for <laughs> for real you got to check out of those loaded boxes that would be that's a combination of a quarterback thing oc you know you just you just can't do it. some of it's pride they like the idea of like ah who cares if they know they're, we're gonna run let's run it anyway it's like okay yes and no like yeah i get like okay just be better than the guy in front of you sure also, football's a numbers game, though. And anyone who coaches football, plays football, will acknowledge that. You see eight people in the box, throw it. You see six or seven people in the box, maybe you should run it. Depends on how many blockers you have in the game. But my point is, that's a that's a Pete philosophy that is executed by Shane, and it is dumb. <laughs> they should stop doing that. This one's from Ryan. Really late getting in here, but playoff baseball is awesome. In the non-breaking news department, another top draft pick that isn't able to contribute. Any word on D. Eskridge? Hopefully he can get right and get on the field soon. Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. Uh, I think I saw I saw D on Thursday. I think he worked out a little bit. They'd be kicking us out of practice so damn fast these days, man. It's not even worth going. It's got to be. Yeah, it's not even worth going to the VMAX sometimes. And they kick us out after like I think Curtis at KJR timed it. We got kicked out in like four minutes. Uh, what, are we, what are we doing here? Right, just watching these guys stretch. Anyway, uh, I do think D's gonna come back. Um, I think it's weird hearing Pete talk about it. He's 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 very like nonchalant talking about like a head injury. It's 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 kind of strange actually. Uh, but I think he'll be back. I think he's gonna. I think he'll. I think he's gonna be a big part of the offense. Actually, I think he's like legit number three like weapon. Someone you can hand it to, throw it to, be a deep threat. I just feel like when they have Penny in the game right now, teams are not respecting. They're just not respecting Penny Hart. They're not respecting Freddie. Shoot, I've seen teams on tape just leave Freddie wide the hell open. Hey, really? And he's like, number 18? Okay. Uh, that's just how they're treated. Now, like, I think Freddie, I think Freddie's fine. Um, but the point is, I do feel Ryan's beef about the, the top picks not being able to contribute because they haven't had a good top pick, what, since Frank? That's their last top pick that was good. Um, and it's just not working out for them. Like, I, that's a legit gripe. That I don't know how I don't know if any team's been that bad at top picks in the last decade. Like their top picks think like Frank, Kristen Michael, Jermaine Fetty, Malik McDowell, Rashad Penny, LJ Collier. Like there's a bunch of dudes just not it. Just just not it. I think P. Rich was their first first pick one of those years too. It's just 
oh, not great. But hey, fingers crossed for D, man. Maybe he'll be. Maybe he'll break the streak. Maybe. Maybe. Streak. I hope he breaks the streak, man. This one's from one of our listeners in India. Shout out to the homie Shiv. Seeing some people saying that Jamal's at fault for the garbage time touchdown. So what I'd like to know is if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to see it, is it still Jamal Adams' fault for being not so good at coverage? <laughs> That's funny. You could have stopped that question at, I see some people saying Jamal's at fault. That's it. That could, uh, I guess it's not a question at that point. But... <laughs> I swear that that's all. Everything's Jamal's fault. I swear, man. It's just so everybody blames Jamal for everything, man. Got the contract, and it's just like if he's not Deion Sanders mixed mixed with Darrell Revis, it's like ah, we overpaid. Uh, I get the critiques, but man, it, it is really over the top. I watched the replay of it, the broadcast replay of Trevor Lawrence's touchdown to Jamal Agnew, who used to play DB. I don't Crazy. know why I forgot all about that. I knew who that guy was. I just. I was like, he's one of the little fast dudes that used to do something else. I just can't remember. Yes, he used to play, play DB. Anyway, uh, it looks like that was actually a Jordan Brooks thing. I would need to see the all 22 to be really, really, really sure. But it looked, it doesn't look like it was a Jamal thing at all. I just think people just like to blame. Anytime Jamal's in the camera, they're like, hey, it must have been 33's fault, I swear. But then when he makes plays, I don't see nothing. Nobody tweets me like, oh, Jamal had a good game, Mike. What'd you think? Nah, it's only bad game stuff. It's really interesting how he's become... Like public enemy number one well i guess he was number two behind trey flowers now trey's gone now so let's just blame everything on jamal and it's like i don't know guys you guys seen the pass rush lately <laughs> maybe we should put some blame there but i get it you get paid you're under the microscope but yes to answer the homie's question from india i don't think that was jamal's fault i think people in general just need to like chill jamal's playing actually good and i've been saying that all year he's not playing great sam gold the homie broke it down on the podcast a few weeks ago Yes, you can critique, but to say that he's just playing poorly, that's stupid. He's not. He's playing well. Coming back to just watching film, guys. And knowing what you're watching, too. Some people can watch stuff and be wrong, too. Happens all the time. And that's that's where trusting someone like me who can talk to the players and coaches and ask about specific plays, and that's where it helps, not just watch the film. Because you could be wrong watching it, too, if you don't know what you're looking at. Next up, we got Kong. What will the offense look like when Russ comes back? Okay, I'm going to answer this in two parts. Here's what it should look like. It should look like let Russ cook. I know it's not, not going to happen, but let hear me out. You, you come out throwing on early downs. Like Chris was saying earlier, play action stuff, you know, make the, the run game, make the passing game your top weapon. And then when they start going to those, uh, when, the, when the other team starts putting its, um, its sub packages on, you know, like five DBs, dime stuff, when they start doing that and playing the two high looks that because they've adjusted to you what you are doing and your tendencies, all right, here's your counterpunch. Now you're getting those lighter boxes for Alex Collins, Chris Chris Carson, hell, even Penny. I don't care if you hand the ball to Penny or uh, Rashad Penny, hand it to him, whatever, DJ Dallas. But right now they're trying to work the other way. It's like, let's establish the run and throw it over their heads. You can just establish, you can basically establish the pass and then run it on in both scenarios you have to be good at both things which is ultimately what they want it's just about how you set it up you know i just think that that's that's the way they should go about it with russ here's what it'll actually look like though here's the part where it's not gonna be as fun it's gonna look like the saints game i think maybe the steelers game in the second half is where they're just like let's run let's run let's run okay let's run some more let's run some more oh it's third and nine russ run it 
Oh. Well, <laughs> yeah. They I did think... run and get a first on that. That was crazy. Caught him off guard. Oh, I talking about against the Steelers. Yeah, yeah halfback yeah. draw to Travis Homer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was like third and seven or something like that, and he picked up like twenty yards or something like that on the run. But I just think that that's Pete has Pete has fallen in love with that style, and doesn't mean they're never going to throw the ball. But right now, I think they're probably about. I have to go look at the numbers updated from the homie Ben Baldwin site. But they entered this game being pretty pat, pretty run heavy. I think with uh, with Gino, they're like one of the run heaviest team in the league like top 10 on early downs when Gino's starts so just just two game samples so not huge but still they're running the ball a lot pretty much on you know, like on early downs that's probably what they're going to keep doing with Russ um they're gonna they're gonna go there Pete don't care how good Russ is in that regard he's gonna run like, he really he really does he knows Russ is good he said it last week he was like I'd have been fired a long time ago if Russ wasn't here and that's a fact <laughs> it's just, so we can end up getting fired with Russ here. But the point is that they he 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 coaches football in a way that just I think minimizes or not I shouldn't say minimize. He coaches football in a way that doesn't maximize Russ. It's a lot of run, 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 run. Okay, if we need to throw, be great at it. It's like, well, I guess. I'd I'd rather see it the other way, but I think it's gonna look a lot more like Saints game or the Pittsburgh game when Russ comes back. This one's from HawksFan206. He got two here, or she, excuse me, don't know. Is there a position group that didn't play awesome today? And what do you see as Seattle's biggest vulnerability, including Russ or no Russ, going into Lambeau? So I think the running back group would be the one that I highlight as like didn't play like awesome. I'd have to see some of the run blocking again. I just didn't... I, this was one of those games and then last week too i just felt it i just felt like chris carson matters a lot man like he's good he's a lot better than the other guys the other guys are good like i think alex collins is fine you can get by but chris is like dynamic chris carson is a legit dynamic guy like when he and he runs through guys in a way that you just don't see from the other backs like there was a play today i can't remember if it was penny or it was collins but miles jack fills the gap right away and, the, and whoever was running back immediately just bounced it away from him. It's just like, nah, man, go hit him in the chin. You know, that's what Chris Carson will go, will go do. Man. I mean, that could be why he has the neck problem. But, like, whatever. If you're out there, you got to go do it. You can't be playing scared. So, I think that if I had to highlight a group without rewatching, that would probably be uh, the one. And that, that goes to the vulnerability, though, too. I think not having Chris is a big deal. I don't think they'll just be fine without having Chris Carson. I think they're they're gonna have to be more creative with their run game, and it can't just be pounded to one dude twenty times. Again, that's not balance. Um, and I think that their other how did how was the question phrased? Like, what is their vulnerability? Is that correct? The it's the it's the philosophy. It's the philosophy. Like I said, they should be like an established the pass team. I think kind of like what you saw a little bit of um, from like a Buffalo last year, where Buffalo. A stat, they, they, teams are just too high in them the whole time because not the whole time, but you know what I mean. Josh Allen was basically passing all the time early down, so they adjusted. Right? Teams were like, "All right, cool, we'll, we'll we'll make sure we defend the pass first and open up the run." You know, Chiefs had a couple games like that last year. One of them against Buffalo, where the Chiefs were so pass heavy, the teams are just coming out playing too high. What does that leave you to do? You can run right through them. Right? I think teams are doing that to the Chiefs now. The Chiefs are just ass on defense so that's a that's a problem their offense actually i think is still fine but the point is that's their that's their biggest flaw it's not even anything 
schematic or personnel wise right now the philosophy is not there i think to do what needs to be done to be a championship team that's what's going to hurt them going forward more than any other personnel or roster stuff this one is from the homegirl holly were the Seahawks that good Sunday, or did they really expose the Jags and get an easy W? I like to think we exposed the Jags just a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, they definitely did. Look, I think those were the first two touchdowns Shaquille's given up all year. Right? Like, I'm pretty sure. Those were, he de- he's been doing a good job on number one receivers. He, he has. He's been limiting them pretty, pretty well. So, um, for them to do that on the Jags' best cover guy that's impressive you know they they've been the jags have they play a lot of man they're really bad in pass coverage but you know they have guys who have made plays but the seahawks exposed them a little not exposed but just like highlighted why they are bad and when you play a bad team you're supposed to do that right like you're supposed to put it this way if the seahawks were as bad as the jags the game would have been closer so like clearly there's a gap between the two teams and the Seahawks needed to show that that gap was there. Uh, so to answer Holly's question, and shout out, shout out Holly. She does. I think she asks a lot of questions uh, pretty consistently, uh, just like Ryan. Shout out Ryan. But to answer the question, a little bit of both. You know, the Jags are that bad, but the Seahawks made them look as bad as they are, which that was part of the assignment, you know, for them. Go make these guys look bad because they're bad. The Seahawks were like, all right, let's go make them look bad. And they did. This one's from Brian Malone. Happy about the team win, but Gino might have been watching a little bit of Russ work as magic for too long because he sure seems to believe he can escape every sack, and yet he never does. It's hard for me to just say, get rid of the ball, or, you know, just take the sack. Those are fast, big-ass dudes running at Gino. I understand why he just naturally runs away. He does take a lot of bad sacks, it feels like like 10 yarders or nine yard losses just to, I mean, stuff that Russ does stuff that a lot of guys do though too like Mahomes takes some of those um he's one that comes to mind but yeah he can't do that that he just he just can't I mean we haven't I'm not gonna lie I'm kind of I watched that game today thinking that that was gonna be the last time Gino starts so I didn't really try to critique or think about his play too much like even the story I wrote right after the game I focused on Russ a little bit more just because he's what matters like and he'll he's the one who should come back after the bye week and if he does what Gino just did for three weeks is not super relevant in the big picture of course the losing is relevant but you know what I mean but yeah if Gino does have to start again um in Green Bay or any games beyond that oh man he's got to cut that out of his game yesterday (laughs) stop Stop taking those big, get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Um, yeah, there's there's really no way around that. Without me watching some more of the tape, I don't even have anything insightful. I agree with the damn question. I don't even know if there was a question in there. Uh, <laughs> I really don't think there was. I'm thinking about it some more. I just know whoever sent that in is right. You don't need to stop taking big sacks. Everyone gets sacked, but it's like, dude, you can't be like, oh, yeah, and that was an 11-yard loss. Yeah. Oh, come on. What are we supposed to do now? Yeah, he's got to cut that out. He knows it, too. This one's from another longtime listener. It's at Ninja, Hawks Ninja. Hey, what up? Given how Bucks lost to the Saints, how do you feel about the Seahawks' fight against the Saints given they win that game? Maybe if field goals are made. I don't know if it's as simple as to say you make the field goals, you win. You just you just never really know, you know, what happens in those instances. Um, I mean, especially teams that are good on special teams, you know, you never know. 
let's say you do make a field goal, right? And then they take the kickoff back right? because they're going to, you just never, you never know. Anyway, I would say that I don't care about like a moral victory in that way or like, oh, good job. You hung in there with a good team. You should just go win, man. Like that was a beatable team. I think every team in the league is beatable. I don't really go into any game thinking there's no way another team can hang with that team. You know, at least the Seahawks. You know, I, I, th- I go into some games thinking, like, Houston has no shot. <laughs> you know? uh, Detroit I'm, has no shot. I actually thought Detroit was going to have a shot against Philly. Boy, was I wrong there. Uh, man, uh, Dan Campbell and all those black dudes that are on his staff are about to get canned. <laughs> they, don't start, they don't start winning some games, man. Uh, anyway, it's not a Lions podcast, but uh, anyway. Uh, I think they had some good fight, but I don't care about fight with this team. It's not a team on the come up or rebuilding. Care about winning, even with your backup. You know, on the background of my TV right now is the the, the Cowboys winning a game. Were they on the road or is that in in Minnesota? Was, I believe it was in. They won. Yeah, doesn't matter. They beat a good Vikings team that has a good defense with their backup quarterback, and their backup quarterback drove them down the field and won the game. It was no, we was close with the Vikings. They're good. We didn't have Dak. No, they went in and won the game. So go win. That's it. This one's from Ayang underscore 10. Does the defense, or actually we talked about the defense looking better than what we've seen previously. They want to know is how important is Daryl Taylor to the pass rush? He is the pass rush. <laughs> You're not lying. He's still He's the only guy with sacks. Is he the only guy with more than one sack? He no, has, I think, no, I oh, think Rasheem more than one. has more than one now. Rasheem might have two. But yeah, like today, today everyone was getting after Trevor, to be fair. Um, the only sack was Ryan Neal, I think, to, uh, today. But everyone everyone had a shot at him. I mean, Daryl had him in his, his grasp like twice. And Trevor just threw the ball to nowhere. And that, you know, that counted as, as a QB hit instead of like a sack if he'd have just held on to it. But no, I think Daryl Taylor's going to be a beast, man. Like he's probably, hmm, how do I want to put this? He might be the most talented dude in their defensive line room. Even if he is not currently the best, he's probably the most talented, if that makes sense. Like, and they need him to be dominant. Like, I think he played, let's see, he had 27 pass rush snaps today. Like, yeah, that, or pass rush reps. Um, so, and that, that number needs to be as high as hell every week that Daryl can handle it with his body. Cause that dude is, is he's, he's next. He's, he's probably the, the other, the only guy in that 2020 class that has a chance, I think to be like, Oh, the Seahawks are going to need to extend him. You know, yeah. like that. He's, he's, he's that dude. Well, hold on. Is Damian Lewis in there? Yeah. Damian Lewis. Might he be will there. be. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my point stands. That Daryl, Daryl's, he got a chance to be a stud. Like he's, he's real deal. In any games that they don't have him, I'd be worried about their ability to get to the quarterback. This one's from All Stats In, No Stats Out. In two and a half years, how many times has Rush thrown a 50 50 ball to DK like the touchdown we all witnessed over Shaquille Griffin against the Jags? He's thrown 50-50 balls to him for sure. I mean, he he threw him a goal line fade against the Jets last year for sure. I remember that. Uh, the fourth down throw uh, against the Vikings uh, week five, not the, not the one that won the game, the one the other fourth down throw before that. That was a jump ball. Uh, he just went up there and caught it with his chest, which is which something DK kind of frequently does. You know, he uh, does a lot of body catching, um, even when he has to leave his feet. 
Um, and I, I mean, he does he does the warm up stuff like we talked about, but I don't know why that hasn't translated to the games. But I don't think that he, it's a lack of opportunities. He doesn't get a ton of goal line fades, but it's fine. Those are low percentage anyway. I, I I'm more interested in like throwing it up to him, just within in between the twenties as well. So I don't think Russ just doesn't want to throw that. He'll throw anything to DK. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just think that he needs to deliver on those when they do happen. And that was the first time I've seen him deliver in that way. Maybe that's what it'll need to for the coaches to feel a little bit more comfortable too. Just like, oh, let's just let's run the player we throw it to 14. Nothing fancy. Just drop back and throw it to 14. Yeah. This one's from this one's from Derek Marr. How do you feel about Walden's play calling against the Jags for Gino? Uh, I thought, and we talked about this a little earlier too. I thought it was just like a no-brainer type of style, with the exception of the runs in the middle of like when they were cooking. Man, that was just so deflating. It really was. It was just like it was. I don't know. It was like watching a really good action movie, and it, you know, stuff's blowing up, and they doing these car chases, and then the next thirty minutes are just a bunch of dialogue. Mm. You know, it's like. I know you got to do character development. Like, I get it. That matters. Just like you have to run the ball at some point. But it it just felt deflating. Everything was going well. They just got to stop, I think. And they get the ball. And it's like, let's hammer it right at him. And it was like, guys, what are we doing? Stop this. Um, so other than that, I thought I thought Shane, I thought Shane was okay. I still would like to see a little bit more trying other ways to get Tyler and DK the ball, not just, oh, drop back and throw her old play action deep shot. I think that you can use, like the screen DK had. I thought that was good. More of that. Like, they're not a good screen team, but if they're going to try it, try it to DK. Yeah. Maybe he'll make it work, like he did on that play. So, I thought it was fine. If my, my critique would just be, you guys are killing me with the basic ass runs sometimes, man, with, that aren't dressed up with any motion or anything to get the, the linebackers moving and thinking and communicating. It's just line up, run it at them. Yeah. No, y'all ain't not going to have to do that. You have to get, you have to dress some stuff up and get some guys moving and things like that. They try a little bit of it, but I want to see a lot more of that. This one's from Dennis Gill. How do you fix the running game with the current backs the Seahawks have? You can't beat Green Bay or anyone without a good run game. Oh, uh, well, you beat the Jags. Um, and you'll beat the Lions and the Texans. Actually, they'll beat a few teams on that schedule. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears are bad too, I think. Um, they got some bad Washington football team. Not good. Did the Washington win today, or did they they lose to the to the Broncos? I think like a, I don't even remember. Oh yeah, Washington lost. Washington's not good either, man. That's that's a problem. Yeah, they lost. They lost ten to seventeen to a bad Broncos team. Yeah, that's that's not good. Um, anyway, I, I do think that if they were going to do any trading, that that would be a position to like consider, maybe trading for a back. Um, I know one of the questions, Chris, that we have is about trades. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'll kind of like skip skip ahead to that part. I do think that I would consider if he hasn't been dealt already a Marlon Mack thing, um, trying trying to trade for him if Chris is out long term. Because I think I really do think they need Chris Carson. I think if they don't have him. This could get this could get kind of bad. So I think I, I would I would make a move there. That's the only move on offense I think I would consider, unless the Browns are just really done with Odell because he's just sitting on the shelf over there. He's getting cardio. <laughs> that <laughs> Odell's out to just running around and making sure he's getting the steps in. They ain't throwing him the ball. Nothing, man. Uh 
So unless they're gonna do something like that, then yeah, you 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 need to go make a move at running back, I think, because you're Alex Collins' groin injury away from being screwed. So yeah, they need to they need to figure that out. Well, I'm gonna combine these questions here because they both are curious about this specific thing, and that's Quandre Dick's contract situation. What's going on there? Uh, the Seahawks really screwed themselves there. I think I think they should have paid Quandre. Like I think, and that's not just you know Quandre's been on the show. You know he's shown love. I'm independent of any of that. I'm sure everyone sees what we're seeing. He's playing well at a position that they they don't draft well at. That is mm. the thing. Like when the Steelers don't want to pay receivers, I can understand that because the Steelers draft receivers probably better than anyone in the league. Like they, all right, cool. We got Antonio Brown, but hmm, we can let him walk. We got this Juju guy. Oh, we don't really need to pay this Juju guy. We got this Chase Claypool guy or this Deontay Johnson. They just they just reload. So I can see why they don't pay receivers. I understand that. The Seahawks can't do that. It's not like oh yeah. we got we, we don't need to pay Quandre. We can no hell no stop. You should pay him. And now the price is just going to keep going up. The price beforehand. You probably could have got like around the franchise tag number for safeties. I forget what that was. Probably in the 14, 15, maybe even less than that because safeties don't make a lot. You probably could have got that in a per year. Dude's only 28. He's going to play ball at a high level for at least a couple more years. right? At least probably, he could probably play at a really high level for two and a half at like, oh, he might make the Pro Bowl type of level, which is the level he's playing at right now. Every time he gets a pick, just add a couple million to the price tag now. Now you're not going to be able to afford it. Now the Jags gonna sign them. <laughs> you know, probably they paying people down there and they need DVs. Uh, so I think they really screwed themselves, man. Like this feels very similar to the Frank Clark situation in 2018. Every time Frank got a sack, I was like, boy, they better pay this man. They're not gonna be able to afford him. What happened? Couldn't afford that man. I can see that happening. I can see this being Quandre's last year if they can't afford him. If they're gonna keep treating him like he not nice like that at a position that they need to have excellence at and veteran leadership at to survive. It's not that they can just throw the next hot young safety there in the draft. No, they need someone who's seen a lot of ball back there. That's where Quandre brings value on top of just being good. He's not like young dude who hasn't played a bunch of reps there. You need reps at free safety to be good at free safety, unless you're just like Earl Thomas. But even then, Earl Thomas was like generational freaking talent. Also a top 10 pick or whatever, top 15. So, uh, yeah, they really screwed themselves there, man. You can try maybe talk to him during the season about extension. You can, but yeah. then why would he? Why would he sign that? He should see. Is this, it, he should go see what he's worth in free agency because then he can see what he'd be. You know, his way is out. He can't negotiate with any other teams now, so he'd be selling himself short. So like I said, the Seahawks now you screwed, screwed it. Yeah, yeah. now Quandre's gonna ball, probably make another Pro Bowl, be a twenty-eight-year-old, uh, or he, I think he turns twenty-nine in January, but. To be like a 29-year-old two-time Pro Bowler or something like that with like 10 picks in the last two seasons. And it's like, ah, oh, no, you can't afford him. So, shout out to Andre. Yeah, he's balling. It's very similar to Frank last, I, I think. It feels very similar where you just can see the price going up. And you can see the Seahawks' wallet just getting emptier and emptier. <laughs> to the point where they can't afford the guy. Our last question comes from Holly Winters. What are you going to do on your time off? Hashtag bye week. Um, I am going to travel. I don't know. I don't know if I want to say where. I don't know if everybody needs to know my business. Uh, I'm going to travel. Um, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a little traveling. Just, I'm not going to France. I don't know if everybody saw Jamal's thing. 
Uh, did you see that, Chris? I did not. Oh, it was very funny. I'll send you the clip when we're done. I asked Jamal if he had any plans for the bye week, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to France. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then Greg Bell was like, why France? And Jamal gave this answer, and then uh, the PR guy was like, all right, anything else? And then it was like, nah. And then he walked off. He was like, guys, I'm not going to France. But like, so, but for a minute there, for like 60 seconds, I think most people in there, I knew he was joking. That's not I mean, a joke. That's a lie. He's not going to travel internationally during the pandemic in the middle of the bike. Like I knew he wasn't going to France, but uh, it was very funny uh, that he did that. I am not going to France, uh, but I am. I'm going to do a little traveling. I'm probably not going to write anything. While no, not probably. You are not going to. You're going to leave your laptop. You're no, I'm taking my laptop. I'm taking my laptop. Okay. Well, I lose that one. All right, cool. Just in case. Just in case. No, you're on your bye week, so, but I feel something, like... something big, big, big. Um, I don't know what it would be. Maybe, you know, if like Russ is not coming back at all or something like that. Or maybe it's announced that he is coming back. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'll be traveling. Chris, you're traveling too, right? Yes, sir. Do you, are you going to stay where you're going? I'll give a hint. It will be watching an NBA game. There you go. All right. Yeah. Chris is a big NBA guy. Gonna uh, sit so close, so close to the court, he can trip a referee. Man. One okay. of these days, I'm gonna get courtside seats. I can't wait. It's gonna be a great experience. Yeah, I am not the, the, the IRS. The, the bracket they got me in does not allow me to sit courtside. Right. That's okay. what you get a credit card for. Uh, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> no, not 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 doing that. Not for courtside seats, anyway. But yeah, we both both gonna be traveling. Uh, we are planning on dropping another pod before we hit the road, right around the trade deadline, which I think is Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. So we should have content from that. But after that, after like Wednesday. You won't hear from us. To hear from us. No, <laughs> we, we're gonna take a much needed break and get some rest. Uh, when we come back, we'll be right back at it, man. Hopefully, the homie Matt uh, covers the Packers to join us before that game. Uh, and yeah, be fun. And, and hope that these guys can save the season. If not, some people are gonna get fired. As you said, heads will roll. But it's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. We want to thank you guys for all your Twitter questions, all the support and love. Also, make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel. We are at 890 subscribers. We get there. We just need a thousand, and then we could add the some ideas that I have. I will say it might include shoes because I know Mike is a big shoe guy. So there's some things that I have deep planned, especially with the Seahawks, that we might be able to tap into once we get to a thousand followers. But we just need your guys' support, and you guys have been rocking with us this far. So if my math serves me right, that's a hundred and ninety more, no. hundred and ten more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was like, dang, he gonna get it wrong. He gonna get it wrong. <laughs> But yeah, thank you guys again. Mike, is there anything you want to add? No, man. Well, you got it. We will catch you guys later. We out. From a time to your bag and a color on your lip, yeah, you're plenty. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.